Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna to be talking about the Justin Evans case. Justin is a young man who went missing two weeks before Christmas. It was said that he was last seen in a shed on his property that he lived at and hasn't been seen since. It's a very puzzling case. In my last video, I laid out the timeline, and in this video, I'd like to bring you two statements that were made by Justin's best friend, Bud, and Bud's girlfriend, Kiera. There are some discrepancies, and I'd like to hone in as to what the truth is. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell too, also you can be notified of my next upcoming videos because there's going to be a lot of them. Please give this video a like and share it out where you can. Now, let's get into it. So before I get into the main information, I just wanna clear up something that I made a mistake on in my last video. I mentioned the name of the park that Justin lived in and I made a mistake. It's actually across the street and it's called Muskoka Mobile Home Park. And I had many comments under my video asking about Jamie, who is Justin's mom, and why she was speaking about Justin in past tense. Now, when she wrote this statement, it was well over a month and a half since Justin's been missing. And as I mentioned also in my last video, something went on in that shed. And even the police stated that it's not looking good for Justin. And in circumstances such as these, it's normal to be talking about past tense of things he would like to do when he's no longer hanging out and doing these things. The quote from the police says, foul play has not been ruled out and it is considered criminally suspicious. We've pulled out all the stops on this. It's a high priority case. It's really unusual. He said the family is fearing the worst and while hoping for the best, they want closure. He may not come home safe, but we can put him to rest. And I wanna say thank you to those who have been sharing this video and who are actively helping to bring Justin home. I really do appreciate it and I'm sure the family does as well. Something doesn't sit right in this story. Now, one more thing I'd like to mention. When someone goes missing, the investigation starts with where the person was last seen, agreed? And if it's at the home, like it is in this instance with Justin, then the authorities are gonna investigate there first and let the clues and the evidence lead the way. So it's natural to also question and look at those who last saw that missing person, whether it's to rule them out or not, agreed? So Justin's best friend from kindergarten and roommate, Bud, and Bud's girlfriend, Kiera, say that they saw Justin at 7 a.m. on Saturday, December 12th, before they headed south of the city to do some Christmas shopping. Bud's mom, Glenna, stated that Justin ate breakfast and told Glenna he was going to go to the shed at around 8.30 a.m. So Bud and Kiera both posted on their social media page. We're going to start with Bud's statement, which was written on January 17th, 2021, five weeks after Justin's disappearance. It states, I feel like I have to make a post about everything going on. I waved to Justin, who was in my dad's shed at 7 a.m. on December 12, 2020, as my girlfriend Kiera and I were headed to Barry for some Christmas shopping with her sister and her boyfriend, not knowing that would be the last time I'd see my best friend. Notable, the 7 a.m. timeline was not first stated to the family of Justin's. The first that they hear of it shows up here on January 17th. In my last video, I outlined the timeline, and so you can check it out. I'll have that in the description box below, or you can check it out at the end of this video. This is already a discrepancy because Bud stated that he waved to Justin, who was in his dad's shed at 7 a.m. 
Yet Glenna, Bud's mom, stated that Justin had breakfast and then said he was going to the shed at around 8.30. The 7 a.m. statement shows up on January 17th. So what's confusing is, how can Justin be at the shed at 7 a.m. when he told Glenna he was gonna go to the shed at 8.30 after he had breakfast? And Justin is known for giving the heads up to the family whether he's not gonna be there for dinner, whether he's going to be gone for the weekend, and also if he's going to the shed. Now, Glenna later made the statement that it's not like Justin to leave without saying anything. And that seems to be the ongoing pattern. Justin would always say something to the family, pretty much just being courteous and letting the family know where he's gonna be or if he's not gonna be home. One thing to note is that the sunrise was at 7.46 a.m. that morning. Now, I also want to bring this to your attention. In the last video, I talked about a shed. Now, since that video, I found out there's actually two sheds on the property. One that's referred to as Justin's shed, and the other one is referred to Bud's dad's shed. So something to keep in mind, and I'll give you the heads up. In this statement, it talks about both Bud's dad's shed and Justin's shed. Only Bud's dad's shed came into play when it was this 7 a.m. statement, not before. Also, the family was told by Bud that he left for Barrie, Ontario, which is where they went Christmas shopping, with his dad, but later corrected that statement. And a few days after Justin went missing, Bud stated that he saw Justin in the house before leaving for shopping. So there's a little bit of confusion going on here, or a whole lot. Back to the statement. Now remember, Bud just said he and his girlfriend were heading to Barrie. And Barrie is a city in Ontario that's about an hour's drive south of where they live. Now, Bud states that they pick up Kiara's sister and her boyfriend, and also notable, they actually live 20 minutes north of where they live. The statement then reads, my girlfriend and I got home after dropping her sister and her boyfriend off just before dinner that night around 5.36 p.m. I had asked if Justin was home. My mom said she hadn't seen him since that morning. For some context, Justin and I work the midnight shift from midnight to 8 a.m. Mine and Justin's sleep schedules are backwards from one another. He will normally stay awake all morning, then crash whenever he can, and all normally go to bed when we get home and get up around 2 p.m. So for the past few years, it hasn't been uncommon for Justin to sleep through dinner if he's not going anywhere on the weekends because it's hard to flip your sleep schedules as a midnight worker. Now, notable right away here, Bud asked Glenna if Justin was home and also talked about being a shift worker. And I wanna to touch on this here. Where Bud asks if Justin was home, it shows here that Bud is curious as to where Justin is. This is important and you'll soon find out why because he hadn't seen Justin since the morning and naturally asks where Justin is as soon as he gets home. As for being a shift worker, my husband is a shift worker and I get it about flipping schedules. However, my husband likes to take advantage of the days off so he has a fairly normal schedule. But I do feel like I need to make a few points here. Justin and Bud worked the Thursday before Justin went missing. And their shift was from midnight to 8 a.m. that 
Thursday morning. So I could see Justin going to bed if this is accurate at around 2 p.m. that day. But typically, I know shift workers will push that time if they know they have a few days off, as Justin and Bud did. They didn't have to work until Sunday evening. So I could see if he took a nap in that afternoon and then pushed it a little bit so that he could get a semi-normal sleep and then have Friday fairly open and Saturday as well. What's unclear here though is Bud is explaining why it's not weird for Justin to miss dinner. It wasn't a work night the night before. And if Justin is sleeping because it was hard to adjust from shift work, wouldn't Bud be super tired as well because he had to go on a shopping trip at 7 a.m. and he's used to going to bed right away when he gets home. So I wonder if that actually did not affect him like it did Justin or like he's suggesting it affected Justin. And if that is their sleep schedules, they would never see each other except at work. Now, if you're a shift worker, I would love to hear your experience below and let me know how you adjust your sleep schedules. I'm very curious. I know the older we get, the harder it seems to adjust. These guys are in their early 20s. I know several people with that midnight shift and they typically hate to waste the day. And I had also wondered here what Justin's typical schedule looked like when he visited his family. Here's what I learned. Justin would go Friday night to Sunday morning to his family's house. He'd fall asleep, usually on the couch between 8 to 10 p.m. on Friday night, and then wake up really early on Saturday morning, usually around 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning. And it said he would listen for hours to his ebook while he was waiting for everybody else to get up. He liked to listen to fantasy adventure books. It was said then he'd stay up all day on Saturday, and then the same thing, he'd fall asleep earlier than the others and wake up early in the morning on Sunday. They would go for breakfast and then he would be dropped off at home late morning or early afternoon so that Justin could get some sleep and get ready for his evening shift. Now, also from my understanding was that Justin said he would stay up when he got home from work and then he would go to sleep. He would get up for dinner and then he would stay up for a few hours and then he would go take another few hours of a nap and then he would leave for work. And I could see that happening at 22 years old uh, and, and a guy, you're pretty hungry and you probably wanna keep your schedule fairly consistent when you're eating. I know a lot of shift workers and they do something similar. Now, as a side note, I know there are some spelling and grammar errors in this statement, but I am wondering if someone actually proofread his statement because Bud states, uh, for some context, Justin and I work the midnight shift from midnight to 8 a.m. Mine and Justin's sleep schedules are backwards from one another. Typically, that would be the same thing. They would say mine and Justin's twice, not Justin and I as the correct version, just an observation. Now, naturally, I'm asking what time Kiara's sleep schedule is. She'd be around, obviously, because she lives there, but her schedule is not like Justin and Bud's unless maybe she adapts her sleep schedule to Bud's. Now, it's not clear if she actually was working in December. My understanding is that she wasn't. Let's go back to the statement. He's now talking about Sunday. 
The next morning when I got up and seen that Justin still wasn't around, I just assumed he'd gone to his mom's as he does most weekends. Now note, he's still wondering now where Justin is. This is twice. He says, Justin and I aren't the tell me where you're going and what you're up to every minute of every day type friends. We vent about our problems, hang out and tell jokes to each other. So I wasn't worried about him till Sunday night came around and he hadn't answered my texts. I went into work to find out that he hadn't called in or texted our crew boss. Justin had joked about taking a long weekend, but for him to not call in or text myself or our crew boss was very strange. So now this is the third time he's wondering where Justin is, right? This is a little contradictory it seems because he says, Justin and I aren't the tell me what you're up to every minute of every day, but then he says he wasn't worried until Sunday night came around and he didn't answer his texts. And as I said, Justin is the type to let people know where he's going and what he's doing and what his plans are out of courtesy. And Bud would know that since he's been friends with Justin since he was in kindergarten. Another thing to note is Justin always rode with Bud to work. Bud was his ride. They lived together. I'm sure this would be peculiar for Bud already since Justin's not answering and now Justin's nowhere to be found and he's supposed to be driving him to work. So Justin isn't there and Justin hasn't called in. We continue on. Monday morning, I called him a few times and it rang through to his voicemail. That made me worry less because at the time, I thought all phones worked the same and would only ring through if the phone was on. I also know that Justin could sleep through an alarm even if it was taped to his forehead. So I tried to get some rest and let him wake up and text me back. I couldn't sleep and got up at 12 p.m. and started looking for him. I looked in his room and found his travel bag, charger, and wallet. Now, it sounds like at this point, Bud is extra concerned. He's mentioned numerous times he's getting concerned. So he says he comes home, goes straight to bed, doesn't look in the room for Justin, but goes to sleep, has a hard time sleeping, then gets up at around noon and then looks in his room. One of the things that is confusing is why he would worry less about Justin not answering his phone while it would just ring and ring and ring. I mean, he's still not talking to Justin. Here he's suggesting that had it not rang, then he'd be more concerned. He says, after that, my mom suggested I check his shed to see if maybe he came home and was sitting out there smoking his pot and listening to his book. I found his shed in disarray and called his parents and the police once they had said he wasn't there for the weekend. I then went asking our neighbors if they'd seen him. I've sadly learned since then that most cell phones ring through so the caller doesn't think they're being ignored. So if Bud last saw Justin in the shed, I would think the natural place is to check the shed, either one of them. And if Justin isn't in his room and he likes to tinker in the shed, then I would think Bud would naturally go check that shed. Notable. Bud is saying he's the one who called the cops and the family, which is not true from my understanding. He says, Justin and I, we're like brothers. We help each other through crap from family stuff to weird bodily functions. It doesn't matter. Justin years ago jokingly adopted the saying, we're the best effing friends and that means your BS is my BS and my BS is your BS. We would remind one another about that even years later, especially when one of us noticed something was wrong with the other. Justin and I have known each other since kindergarten. That's 16 years I've had the amazing opportunity to call him my best friend and have had the privilege of him calling me his best friend. 
Now, it does seem a little bit of an opposite when he says, my BS is yours and yours is mine, but then he says he doesn't keep track of what he does type thing. He goes on to say, Justin never seemed off the week leading up to that day, other than he'd made a mistake and hurt himself on a snowmobile the weekend before and was hurting quite a bit. This sentence actually interests me. Justin never seemed off the week leading up to that day. So my natural question is why would Justin seem off or potentially seem off? This raises something for me here. It just seems a little odd. He says, it never mattered what it was. Justin and I would push through it together, whether it was kindergarten, spelling bees, learning to drive or family problems. We had each other's backs and would help one another stand. We'd never let the other fall, no matter how hard it got. Now, the next little bit, he's about to go off about people calling the cops, etc. I'll let you read that bit. There's a lot of expletives in it. He then calms down and says, if you know something helpful like where you might have seen him, please go to the OPP Crime Stoppers something. There are dozens of links for anonymous reports and I've heard there is money for anyone who brings forward any information about him that helps find him. Please, I've walked around our area and talked to some people, but no one seems to know anything. Now, from my understanding, Bud did talk to a couple of people. But as to the extent of searching for his best friend, I'm not aware of the extent of it. There is one line that concerns me where he says, please, I've walked around our area and talked to some people, but no one seems to know anything. He says, if it was a vehicle or people that seemed out of place around then, please say something. It doesn't matter if it was in the Killworthy area, which is where Justin lives and Bud and them, Gravenhurst, Aurelia, Bracebridge, it doesn't matter if it was a weird vehicle or persons. Please, it only takes a moment for a call or email that might bring an end to what's been a very long and hard month for his family and friends. Again, please, any information that could help bring him home would be greatly appreciated. I'm tired of the theories. I want the facts. Have you seen or heard anything or even been somewhere you think he might be? Thank you to everyone who's given helpful information. Without you, we'd be no closer to having answers. It would have been helpful if Bud had provided some information as to maybe where Justin likes to go. Because if anything or anyone, Justin and Bud are best friends. Bud knew him or knows him for 16 years. So if anybody who would know where he may be, it would be Bud, I would think. So in summary, Bud is inquisitive as to where Justin is right from the time he got home from Christmas shopping. And that was Saturday evening. He was wondering where he was Sunday morning and Sunday evening when he didn't go into work and Monday morning. He then went to sleep. He woke up at noon and saw that Justin had a travel bag still in his room. And he went to the shed found it in disarray, came back, and he said he called the police and the family, but he didn't. It was Glenna who called Justin's grandmother to ask the whereabouts of Justin. The cops were called four hours after Bud got up. Why? Now let's get into Bud's girlfriend's statement. 
It was written a week later on January 23rd. She says, I don't know where to start. I'm Justin's roommate and his best friend's girlfriend. I won't lie, Justin and I were not fond of each other and that's okay. Just because I didn't like Justin doesn't mean I don't want him to come home. Saying that, I'm going to provide my side of the story. I have seen very negative comments and posts about myself and my family. I would love to share every detail I have about this case within reason to provide everyone with both sides. I, however, will not be posting names or addresses as I understand how reckless and dangerous that could be. So now let's just be real for a second. If you didn't like someone, you probably didn't want to be around them, right? I'm not saying that she doesn't entirely want him to come home, but I'm just saying if you really don't like somebody, you're probably not missing them. So she does use the words saying that, which negates everything there. And there are some gaps in the statement. So perhaps if Kiera is watching, she'd be willing to fill those in. Back to her statement. She says, let's start off with some background. Bud and Justin are best friends and have been since kindergarten. They work midnights, 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. at their job. Bud goes to sleep when they get home from work, 9 a.m.-ish to 2 p.m. And Justin falls asleep in the afternoon until he has to get up for work, 2 p.m.-ish to 10.30 p.m.-ish. So it is common that these boys don't see each other often. It is not a necessity that they check in with each other. Notice how that echoes what Bud says. And as I mentioned, if this is the case, Justin and Bud would never see each other outside of work. Like I said, I wonder what Kiera's sleep schedule is. She says, I would also like to clear up that Justin's shed is at the very back of our property. I am not good with distances and I won't be sharing any pictures of our property. But if I had to guess, maybe 30 feet from the back edge of the house to the shed, and that is roughly 100 feet from the front door of the house, and it is on the opposite side of the house that the bedrooms are on. Now, I'm just wondering here if she's not good with distances, she knew how to estimate the, the distance of the house. So it's interesting. I'm not so great with distances either, and I don't know if I could accurately say how many feet it was, but that could be minor. Notable though, you can see the shed from the kitchen. She says, anyways, Saturday, December 12, 2020, Bud and I were leaving to go shopping in Barrie for the day. When we left at 7 a.m., Bud waved at Justin, who was in Bud's dad's shed, and we left. Notice again that it's detailed about Bud's dad's shed when they talk about 7 a.m. She says, we left, picked up two people, shopped in Barrie, and after dropping off the two people, we got home around between 5 and 6 p.m. Justin didn't show for dinner that night, which was not unusual since he slept through dinner 95% of the time, and we thought he could be with his family, as he does this on weekends most times. I will not be mentioning the names of the people that came with us, as they don't deserve any harassment. Notable, in a previous statement that has been deleted, and it was stated three days after Justin went missing, Kiera stated that they came home from shopping, unloaded the vehicle, and then went into Gravenhurst to Sobeys, which is a grocery store. Next, Sunday, December 13th, 2020. When we got up this morning, we noticed Justin's bedroom lights weren't on. Why would they be on if they thought he was away? So Bud looked in the porch and noticed Justin's boots were gone. We just chalked it up to him being at his mom's house. 
Later that night at dinner, Justin didn't show up, so Bud texted Justin asking him where he was. When Bud was getting ready for work, he noticed that Justin didn't text him back. We just assumed he was sleeping and Justin had mentioned to Bud earlier in the week about maybe taking a long weekend because he was sore from a snowmobile mishap. Later that night when Bud went to work and heard that Justin didn't call in, that's when he started to wonder. He started to wonder why if he was taking a long weekend he hadn't called in because it was out of character for Justin to not call in. Justin is a very hard worker and would never pull a no-show. Monday, December 14th, 2020, when Bud woke up, he checked Justin's room to see his charger, wallet, and duffel bag. Bud, thinking he was home, went out to his shed. When he found the shed in the condition it was in, he raced inside and told his mom to call Justin's family. They hung up the phone and said they would call us back with an answer. 20 minutes later, we got a phone call back saying Justin wasn't there and that Justin's mom was coming to our house. Bud's mom then called the police. The police and Justin's mother showed up at our house within 10 minutes of one another. We then gave statements and figured out when we all last heard from seeing Justin. Now, Kiera didn't mention what time Bud woke up at, but again, why would Bud think he was home, right? Now, here's the discrepancy. Kiera said that Bud, thinking that he was home, went out to his shed. Bud said Glenna told him to go check the shed. Bud said that he called the police and the family, and Kiera is saying Bud's mom called the police. However, there is still a four-hour lapse in the time from when Bud woke up to when the police were called. And Jamie, Justin's mom, told Glenna to call the police because that hadn't been done. Now she goes back to Saturday. After we left December 12th, Bud's mom saw Justin walking out to his shed at around 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. He was last heard from at 3.44 p.m. via text when he answered his mom. When everyone had given their statements, we were asked to leave the premises. The forensics team then took over. The only thing Bud and I were allowed to take was our phone chargers. Bud's parents stayed at a hotel and Bud and I went to my parents' house. Notable, Justin's phone is missing. Thursday, December 17th, 2020, I believe she says, this was the day we were allowed to go home. We met Justin's sister at her house who told us they were going to clear out Justin's room. She then left and Justin's stepdad and aunt showed up to clear out Justin's room. They left a few things behind, which they got Boxing Day, while Bud and I were at my mom's celebrating Christmas. He then says, some bits and pieces. Both of our vehicles were taken to forensics to be checked out. Everyone in our house, Bud, I, and his parents went in for audio video statements. Now, I'm not sure why she used the phrase bits and pieces and it was thrown in here. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's interesting, she really wants to detail everything else, but when it comes to this, she says bits and pieces uh, when their vehicles were taken for forensics. It's, it's kind of underplaying it, really. Now, I realize it's important to get statements, and I'm not saying anything else here, but it's not a little thing to be calling it bits and pieces, in my opinion. Everything else is a big deal, but no big deal. This is just bits and pieces of information. She says, anyways, Addressing certain things now. When the Muskoka Region article came out about us not calling the police right away, I was furious. I was bawling and shaking, but not because I was defensive or scared. It was because I know the grief my family household has been going through about Justin missing, and to see such a hurtful thing about them made me sick. Well, there's confusion around it. This is the thing. How is there a four-hour gap between the time Bud woke up and the cops were called. Was there confusion? Like, what is it? That's why. So if she's bawling and shaking, um, not because she was defensive or scared, she says, but because of the grief, well, then it's easy to clear that up. Why is there a four-hour gap, right? This next line is very, very interesting. She says, it also made me upset because it makes people look at us as suspects instead of the persons that could have been part of Justin's disappearance. She says, so I texted Justin's stepdad, mom, and sister. Was I nice? No. Was it wrong? Probably. But do I regret it? No. I will not be posting screenshots of the text messages because I made them private for a reason. But if Justin's family wants to post it, they are more than welcome because I have nothing to hide. I was then told by the detective not to message them anymore because it just puts them in a tough spot. Then one of Justin's family members decided to drive by our house and give us the bird. I have now seen Justin's mother's post that totally degrades this family and for what? I get it's emotional time, but we should be trying to find Justin and who could have actually been involved. This is such a complete mess and it's no help for Justin, which is why I am defensive. I'm not defensive because they are saying upsetting things about me and the people I love. I was raised with thick skin and I know not to get upset because I know I didn't do anything. Here's a contradiction again. She was upset before because of the, the pain and suffering from, from this, but not now. Um, so it, it's a little bit confusing. I am defensive because our full names are being posted and our address. To say that this is reckless and dangerous is an understatement. I am also defensive because while a lot of people are stuck pointing fingers at us, the person who could have actually been a part of Justin's disappearance isn't being looked at. Now, side note, I assure you everyone is being looked at in the beginning. And it's narrowed down bit by bit. Like I said, the evidence leads, the clues leads to where it should be going. But as they say, we haven't left the home yet. She says, I debated not making this post, but this is getting out of hand and it is hurting the people I love and puts them in harm's way. So here I am making this post. 
I may have missed a lot and I'm ready to answer any and all questions. I can't answer a lot about Justin as I stated we were not friends, but I can answer some stuff about the case and the days leading up to the investigation. Now this is tough because they're all in this home and Justin and Bud are best friends and Justin and Kiera are not friends. Now Kiera, if you are watching, I'm glad you are open to answering questions as you stated. I'm curious, what was Justin up to on Friday as I can't find any information for that and not Friday morning, not Friday afternoon, not Friday evening, not Thursday afternoon, not Thursday evening. Maybe Bud may know that info or you or a neighbor. Back to the statement. In the Bring Justin Evans homepage, the admin are Justin's family and I've stated they are there to answer questions. So if you have questions for me, please, I encourage you to ask. If I can't answer them, I will direct you to the admins of Justin's Facebook page. They may be able to answer it. I truly just want Justin to come home and I want this drama to stop. It doesn't help anyone, but especially doesn't help Justin. We all need to be focusing on finding Justin, not making accusations based on what someone may have heard or what they know or knew of people in the past. Praying for you, Justin. So now I want to talk a little bit about Justin's timeline from Justin's point of view. Justin eats breakfast that morning and tells Glenna he's going to the shed at 8.30 a.m. He goes to the shed, tinkers around, and does what he does there. Bud and Kiera state they left at 7 a.m., but stated that five weeks later, not at the time. Justin doesn't drive. So I would think Justin would be hungry and go into the house and grab something to eat. And he would let someone in the house know he's going somewhere, as he usually does. Wouldn't it be odd that he didn't come in for lunch? And I said this in my last video. Could Glenna have gotten the days wrong in seeing Justin? Because it had been a few days and it's possible she may have forgotten. Maybe that was Friday, not Saturday. Just something I'm questioning. Also, Justin's mom, Jamie, texts Justin and asks him if he got the time off for the Christmas holidays. And Justin's phone responds at 3.44 p.m. saying it hasn't been confirmed yet. Justin's mom wonders if it was even from Justin. And here we show that clearly Justin wasn't with his mom or family on this day since they were texting each other. And also, if something did happen in that shed, which the belief is something did, then that text wouldn't be the text that was sent out from Justin's phone, right? Kind of seems like a red flag, doesn't it? Now, there's an odd statement that was made and it has been deleted. But it's very odd in my opinion. It was written by Kiera on December 15th, just three days after Justin's disappearance. She says, when was the last time you talked to Justin? What's the best memory you have of Justin? What intrigued you the most about Justin? Let's start a conversation. You never know what could help. If you live in Muskoka Mobile Trailer Park or know people that live there, ask them about their Saturday evening. Something could be so small and seem not important but could help. I would rather give it a shot than not try at all. Let's start talking. Let's get Justin home. Side note, why is she asking about Saturday evening if nobody's seen Justin since Saturday morning? Now, what she does next is interesting because she actually responds to her own post and puts in the comments, I will start 
On Saturday evening, Bud and I got back from Barrie and unloaded. Then we went into Gravenhurst to pick things up from Sobeys. We then went and camped in our rooms and watched movies, played games, and ate snacks. What are your thoughts about this note? Let me know in the comments below. This does not actually ask her own question. It gives the opportunity to state what they did on Saturday night, not anything else. No memories, no, no nothing. Now, here's another piece of information that is very confusing. And, well, I'll tell you and then you can tell me your thoughts. Justin always wore white sunglasses. He loves these sunglasses. And Justin's family picked up Justin's stuff from his house shortly after his disappearance on the 17th, just five days later. Recently, there was a picture with Bud wearing Justin's sunglasses. Bud typically wears black sunglasses and here he was wearing white sunglasses and it was confirmed that it's Justin's sunglasses. Now, I don't know for what reason why he's wearing Justin's sunglasses, but it happened. They are being returned, if they haven't already, to Justin's family. So again, I don't know the reason, but I do find it odd, especially those glasses belong to Justin. In a later video, I'm gonna to touch on a few other factors and people, but in this one, I really wanted to focus on the statements that were made. They're important. And as I mentioned, there are some holes as to where Justin was on Thursday after work, after that 8 a.m., the rest of that day, and all of Friday and no one seems to have an answer. And there are definite discrepancies on Saturday and I see some red flags. I'm just being honest. For whatever reason, things aren't lining up and there's some red flags. So what I'd love to know is, and I'm sure you would too, is where was Justin on Thursday and Friday? What did he do those days? Who did he talk to? Was he home for dinner for both of those nights? And if he joked to Bud about having a long weekend, then his long weekend would start on Thursday after he was finished work. Agreed? So what's interesting here is the omission of a, the Friday anywhere here because the long weekend, as I mentioned, would have started Thursday, not Saturday. Let's have a chit chat below. Things are starting to get a little odd. As I said, we haven't left the home yet. Let's have a chit chat below. Let me know your thoughts. Keep it classy in the comments. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.